Jeff Feinberg, who you pounding the table for this season? For me, it is the overpaid and contract that was much maligned, Christian Kirk. An ADP in the middle of the 10th round might have been paid, overpaid, uh, maybe responsible for a lot of things that happened subsequently. Uh, dominoes in the wide receiver market this past offseason. But the fact remains, Jacksonville has huge plans for him. And with Doug Peterson there, offensive-minded, a lot of us see huge leap, the big leap for Trevor Lawrence, year one, year two. Seems like a big bargain in the middle of the 10th round for me. Christian Kirk, Jacksonville Jaguars. I like it. He's actually, uh, he, he's a big he's a big guy we talk about on the show. We're all fans here, so we like it. Yeah, I mean, just to, I guess, uh, cheat and say, I was debating between that and like, standing in front of the um, Kadarius Tony bus in New York. He was so excellent in his limited healthy action last year. They improved the O-line. Things should be better. But there's just so many off-field questions. I'm worried, like, that'll sound so dumb in, in a few months. So safe bet, Christian Kirk. I think it's a real, real safe. You got to hit a nice double in the 10th round with Christian Kirk. I like it. Let's start the show. Welcome to the Most Accurate Podcast. Our normal and wonderful host, Brandon Niles, is on assignment this week. So I am sliding over into the host chair, and I'm joined, as usual, by my friend, Chris Allen. How are you, bud? I'm doing great. I'm actually, I'm better since I'm not stuck hosting the show this week, <laughs> and you were gracious enough to take on Brandon's job for uh, for today's episode. No, but I'm happy to be here for sure. I mean, we're in the thick of training camp now with getting actual news and things of that nature. So I'm excited to hear more. And we've got actual football this week, right? Hall of Fame game Thursday, if I'm remembering correctly. So it's like football is actually, it's here now. It's less about uh, thinking or about when we're going to get news and any of that stuff. So I'm ex excited to actually see like real football. Uh, I'm also excited to talk with our guest today. Jeff, I've never had a chance to get a chance to talk with you, interact with you. So I'm glad we get a chance to do it, uh, to do it today. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thank you, Chris. Excited to chat with you. I've also never had a chance to talk to Jennifer. Nope. I'm following her for a while. And I don't know, they obviously must trust you if they gave you the AFC West, Jennifer, because as, uh, for 2022, those are some big big shoes that you know they didn't just say go talk about the afc what afc south while i'm not here this <laughs> week it is it is uh afc west talk so i appreciate you bringing bringing me in no actually we're super psyched i know you normally are, are live in the golf world uh you are part of the the mayo media net golf golf team there and also part of our parent company betsperts you've been doing a show with them as well on golf so we're excited that you've uh Humbled us with your presence in the football world to talk some AFC West from your uh, beloved Chargers. So, um, you know, I think that uh, before before we get into it, we should also talk about, you know, drafting our Chargers and drafting all of our teams. I mean, I do live in Denver, so I like to draft the Broncos. Uh, we, we do uh, have to talk about underdog. Uh, everyone out there, um, if you want to get in some best ball action, 
Um, if you haven't gotten in on some best ball action, I don't know why you wouldn't, but let's, uh, you know, people are still out there getting getting their feet wet coming back to football. And um, we still have a really good promo at Underdog. If you deposit $10 into a brand new Underdog account, uh, you get a deposit bonus match and a 4 for 4 Pro subscription. So just enter 4 for 4 in the promo code box. The number four, F-O-R, and then the number four in the promo code box to get a deposit match and a free pro subscription. So uh, let's get into actual AFC West stuff. Uh, Chris, why don't you uh, why don't you lead us off and talk some Chiefs? Yeah, I know, Jeff, we brought you on because we know about your, your strong connection and familiarity with the Chargers, but we at least got to talk about the other teams like within the AFC West. And of course, one of the biggest, I guess, blocks to the Chargers getting into the playoffs would be the Chiefs this year. And I just want to get a temperature check just right off the top. I mean, what are your thoughts about Patrick Mahomes here in 2022? Because now he's without Tyreek Hill, arguably like their best weapon outside of Travis Kelsey in the passing attack. How do you think they're going to operate like this season? Because we started to see, I'm not going to say a decline, like not, not at all in any way, shape or form, but I would say just a, a change in how the Chiefs have approached their offense over the past like few seasons. Patrick Mahomes, his average depth of target has decreased. It's almost down two full yards from when he became the starter for Kansas City in 2018. It's down to about 7.6, 7.4 yards per attempt. Also, his deep ball rate has also decreased over the past few seasons as well. So they're already starting to limit the things that we expected Tyreek Hill to do. And now he's not even there. So how do you think, I mean, just like Patrick Mahomes is going to operate now without having, again, arguably one of the best receivers in football at the other end of his passes. So as it pertains to the chiefs, I'm like, are probably the least bullish in the whole division on any individual player in terms of, you know, their question marks as to who it's going to be. And maybe over-investing in them is probably the move because someone's going to get the lion's share of it. That being said, I think they made the right move. I think this is going to show the player that they let go, if anyone is the overrated player in all of this. Uh, I have no doubts they're going to continue to make the sausage, the music, whatever analogy you want to say. It's going to happen there. Like, I, I'm... I'm convinced of that. The talks are, are, are of their demise in any way from someone in the AFC West is like laughable. They still might even start slow. Like I wouldn't put that past them either. Mm -hmm. Just like we saw the Patriots do time and time again. Now the division is tough. Like the Patriots is one or two times. The jets were kind of there. Like when they did slip up, they had mulligans, maybe someone in the division last year, Nome was ready to take advantage of the Chiefs' early slip-ups. Maybe someone will be this year, but I'm still convinced they'll be there in the end. That being said, out of all the teams or players, you know, team spotlight, it's the one where like I'm least bullish on any individual player, be it who's gonna get the lion's share uh, of of a of a lot of the um, you know, be it the backs or the receivers. And I'm sure we'll, we'll get into it here briefly. Yeah, and I think I'm with you on that as well because over the years, it's been a much more concentrated offense. Like we had that star power up front because you had Tyreek Hill, you had Travis Kelsey, and then even if you wanted to invest in any of the any of the running backs, at least we knew that, well, if it was Darrell Williams, if it was CEH when he came onto the scene, at least they were attached to good offense. So the logic behind drafting them at their cost, like all of that made sense. 
But again, now without Tyreek Hill, and Jen, I'm going to kick this question over to you. I'm with Jeff. It, it does become a little bit murkier in terms of figuring out who is going to get some of those targets, because at least in my mind, and this is the way I've been approaching it, is that we can we can like the the Chiefs can recreate the function of Tyreek Hill on the field with but it's going to take multiple players to do it. Like if you wanted Tyreek Hill out of the slot, okay, well, Juju Smith-Schuster can do most of that, okay? And if you wanted Tyreek Hill, like the deep threat, all right, well, they got MVS. I mean, Miko Hardman, I mean, he's at least fast. I don't know if he can catch the ball as often, but at least he's fast and he can draw some of that safety and like that deep defensive attention away from anything they want to run underneath, whether it's an ISO route to Travis Kelsey or whatever the case may be. I mean, we've already been seeing highlights out of camp, uh, Sky Moore, getting more and more uh, acclimated with Patrick Mahomes, establishing rapport with him. So it's like they can recreate bits and pieces of what Tyreek Hill was like on the field. But from a fantasy perspective, that's now three people that are going to be getting those types of targets. It's not going to be one person anymore. And I'm not going to draft three chiefs. So Jen, how are you approaching drafting any of the Kansas City players at this point? It's tough. I mean, like you said, in order to make them make them all fantasy relevant, they're all going to have to be uber efficient, right? Because mm-hmm. they're not going to get the amount of targets that you think they're going to get, right? Or that they need to get. So it's tough. I mean, if you're looking at ADP right now, I mean, Juju is, he's going, you know, he's, his, his ADP right now is 54.3. And then there's a pretty decent jump down to MBS at 92 and Sky Moore at 98 and Nicole Hardman. So for me, I, you know, I mean, Juju's the most expensive. I, I, I'm sprinkling him in a little bit, but for the most part, mm-hmm. I'm not really drafting that many. I've been really drafting more of the on the running back, you know, on, on the running backs just because they're cheap. Like McKinnon and Rojo are pretty cheap, so you can kind of grab that. It's it's a tough like dichotomy, right? Because you you want to take players on good offenses when it comes down to it, especially for best ball, you know, just in case. But at the same mm-hmm. time, you just don't know what this offense is going to look like. I will say as far as Mahomes go, I mean, he keeps, he seems to be dropping and he's pretty cheap. So I have taken right. him at, at times just because he's there. And I'm like, why I'm not going to let him fall to the sixth round here when there he is in the fifth and I'm just going to grab him. Sure. Um, but I haven't found myself taking a lot of Kelsey. Uh, you know, he's pretty expensive still. And mm-hmm. I'm a little, he makes me a little nervous, but you know, overall I've been avoiding I've been avoiding Sky Moore. Of course, now the training camp hype has me a little peaked. Like maybe I should sprinkle <laughs> sprinkle some shares in because I really sure. have not dropped Sky Moore at all because he was very expensive and then he got cheaper and then now he's probably going to skyrocket again. So mm-hmm. I don't know. To answer your question in a very roundabout way, I haven't really been investing too much because like I said, I feel like with the amount of targets that these guys are going to get, they're going to have to be like on fire efficient. And I just, you know, we haven't seen that out of Nicole and, and, and MBS and, you know, Juju, you know, has been up and down as well. All right. So I got a stat for you guys. Of course, if anybody's listened to the show before, that they, they know that 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 is typically my thing. The Chiefs last season. Now they have been like from a from a passing standpoint, their pass rate over expectation. It's been in the top five, like since Mahomes took over uh, as the starting quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs. And so that the passing volume has always been there. But just last season alone, they had 15 different players get touches or get targets from within the 20 uh, within the 20 yard line. So within the red zone, 15 different players, the closest team uh, was actually probably going to be, hopefully we see a rematch of it here in 2022 was the bills at 13, but everybody else, all of the other playoff teams, Cincinnati had 10, San Francisco had 11. uh, The chargers had 11. The Rams had 10. I mean, just think about all the wild stuff that Andy Reid 
thinks about or dreams about, or I have no idea like what he thinks of once they get into the red zone. Cause think about all the, the random stuff. So what Travis Kelsey lining up under center and then doing one of those, you know, flip passes to alignment or something like that in the end zone. We saw that happen so many times that so we don't true. now without Tyreek Hill, who knows what's going to happen. We're probably going to see offensive linemen line up under center at some point. But I think That'll just really the, I think your point, like both of your points are very much, uh, like they're they're right in the sense that we need to see or we would need to have we'd have to expect some level of high end efficiency like what Tyreek Hill had as a receiver in order for any of them to significantly pay off their ADP. Juju Smith Schuster seems the safest just because he does run out of the slot, easier coverage, higher percentage targets for Mahomes. He targets the slot at I think over a quarter of his targets anyway, so it just it makes sense to target the guy that we. And also, if you want to look at the money, okay, fine. And again, if it's MVS, Michael Hardman, more volatile targets that will be associated with them, whatever the case may be. I mean, it just it makes sense given their ADPs, like how we expect the targets to kind of work out. So I get that. But now let's shift our attention to the running back position. CEH, Ronald Jones, Jarek McKinnon's back. Mm. I'm hearing some at least some good camp buzz about the uh, Isaiah Pacheco. I mean, the yep. short little speedster that they drafted just this past year. And what, and even Derek Gore, I know they were in absolute blowouts. Derek Gore popping off for 50-yard touchdown runs last season. I mean, they have multiple options. And I'll keep Derek Gore out of the conversation right now, but at least four now with the buzz surrounding Pacheco. What are we supposed to do with the running backs at this point? I mean, this is a team that has been, uh, last season, they were bottom 10 and just targets to the running back position. And that was CEH's calling card coming at LSU. So Jeff, I mean, over to you. I mean, do you think that it's worth even trying to target a guy like Clyde Edwards Hilaire in drafts, just given, I mean, he's not going to be cheaper. I mean, sixth, seventh, eighth round for CEH on underdog fantasy right now. I mean, he's not going to get any cheaper, but is it worth it? Just given the context of this offense. I have not, um, taken him i've had some opportunities where i've pivoted off of taking him i do agree with jen like it does feel like the cheapest best way to get in on this thing is probably through rojo and mckinnon i don't know like the fantasy football the football like you always want like some piece of like the mahomes juice the reed juice you don't know how it's gonna come you mentioned all those guys touching the ball makes your perception feel like reality because you know they do a bunch of crazy stuff down there uh, you know, even as someone like who likes to bet on first touchdown, like they're always, you know, making sure it's not the obvious, you know, choices with the weird stuff that they're capable of. I don't trust CEH. And yeah, if I wanted to get a little grease from this thing, it would be it would be the second guys. But you hope if they can if you still expect them to make their point totals similar to what they've been doing then, you know, just the sheer volume that they give you the opportunities uh, kind of makes everyone worth it. I have not, I don't think I own a single chief. I don't think I own a single one, even, you know, quickly to say on Kelsey, you've got to be in a hyper-specific like spot in drafts. It seems like to get him. Uh, I haven't really been there much, but even when I have, I, I don't know. It's something that I haven't been attached to. I still think they're going to be great. I'm sitting on the fence is who's going to be great, but I'm just convinced the team's going to be great. And it's created a really weird dichotomy for me from a fantasy perspective. And I 100% agree because a lot of folks right now, I think the hype surrounding Ronald Jones 
it's I've seen it just more from the best ball mania standpoint, the tournaments, because if you're going against a large, a large field player pool or entry pool, and you're trying to figure out, okay, well, where can I harness the most upside, like out of this offense, like from their running attack and CEH is probably going to be fine, but where can I harness like the most touchdowns out of this? And we've already seen them try to have Clyde Edwards Hilaire run up into that offensive line, bang off of a couple of tackles, and then just he doesn't wind up getting in. Where we've seen it, I mean, not necessarily to say that Ronald Jones has been better in that particular area, but at least we've seen him have power. We've seen him have speed, like in some spurts when he was still in Tampa. And especially given the difference in cost between the two, there is at least some justification for folks wanting to draft him. I'll take the bet that for a multi-round discount, I can get most of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's fantasy production with Ronald Jones. If Ronald Jones winds up get, being the one that they use once they get inside the 20s. Because just last season, in both CEH and Darrell Williams were in the top 10 in success rate. That was according to Football Outsiders. But neither of the two could crack the top 50 in terms of breakaway runs. This is a team that's predicated on explosives, but all of those explosive plays come from Patrick Mahomes' arm. They need to be able to generate similar types of plays like on the ground. They just haven't been able to do it. Maybe this Pacheco kid can do it. Maybe they're expecting Ronald Jones to do it because I think some of the highlights from Ronald Jones, like his best games, like with Tampa, was when he was breaking off some long runs here and there. So I think it's possible. But Jen, over to you. I mean, have you been targeting any of these guys? I mean, it's too much Merck for me. I might take CEH here and there just because I've been stubborn and trying to recoup my losses from drafting CEH in the first and second round two years ago. But I get the I get the consternation behind trying to do it in 2022. I completely understand. But where are you at with the running backs? Yeah, no, I'm I'm not drafting CEH. I just can't. I mean, I don't know if it's a PTSD. Not Jennifer. I actually didn't. No, it's not Jennifer at all. I did not. Um, I did not. Uh, I didn't get burned on him though because I didn't really. I, I didn't invest in him heavily uh, last year either. So no, I mean, like I like I said earlier, I've got a little bit of Rojo, a little bit of McKinnon. I'll probably grab some Pacheco now that now that that's kind of a thing. Um, all right, let's move on because we uh, we're supposed to brief, right, Chris? Brief yep. for the brief. for the first brief for the first three teams. Yeah, um, that that did not happen. So we're going to go brief here. Um, we're going to move on to my hometown, uh, Denver Broncos, uh, another you know legit contender in the AFC West. Um, actually, they're really they're all contenders this year, which is pretty scary. Um, but yeah, I mean the Broncos are in a situation where we're looking at you know new coaching staff. Brand new, fresh quarterback. Old Russ is in town. Um, so Russ right now is QB eight on underdog. I'm curious, Jeff. How do you feel about that? Do you feel like he's appropriately priced? Um, I feel like he's, you know, he's he's QB eight, but I feel like I've seen him slip too. I feel like people have been grabbing other quarterbacks ahead of him, like Rodgers and and you know Stafford and those guys. And um, how do you feel about Russ? How do you feel like he's going to fit in in Denver? And how do you feel about his fantasy outlook for 2022? I think eight is uh, appropriate. That's probably exactly where I would have him um, ranked. That, like some, a lot of these higher end veteran quarterbacks have gone on and moved and won Super Bowls. And even the lower tier veteran quarterback, like my guy Philip Rivers, was even able to move over play one year get Indianapolis into the playoffs so it's hard to fathom like Russell not having success like him being the veteran QB that sort of ends this 
streak in this current era of of way more veteran QB movement than we're used to. Really don't see him being like the outlier and failing. Um, even with Nathaniel Hackett, who even got the best at Aaron Rodgers the last couple of years. So I, I'm afraid as a Charger fan that, you know, this this will be really annoying for me. Let's well, you're it. used to a complete carousel of crap that has come in and out of Denver over the last, you know, several, several to, to five they to all six beat years. The Chargers, even your bigger <laughs> loser quarterbacks pulled off a win against the Chargers, I promise. It's been uh, it's been ugly. It's been a carousel of crap, as I said. So um, it's nice to have, you know, a, an able body in here that uh, has been successful in the league. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see if we get what, what, what you know, if they're going to let Russ cook, if we're going to let Russ run, you know, all that stuff. Chris, anything to say on the subject? Are you down with Russ? Are you not down with Russ? Absolutely. I'm down with Russ. I think stylistically he fits. I think he fits like what Nathaniel Hackett at least has tried to implement in the past. We saw Aaron Rodgers. I wouldn't attribute all of Aaron Rodgers, let's say rejuvenation and essentially what his back to back like MVP campaigns like to hack it. It's more of also the combination. It's about his sex life, Chris. We know that. Well, right? that too. I mean, and that, what? And that badass tattoo that he got on his forearm <laughs> too, man. That also has to go with it as well. And then Rusta definitely doesn't have one of those. Doesn't seem like a tattoo guy. No, uh, definitely he's not. A, he's as square as they come. But yes. I think the the big thing though is like what Hackett asked of Aaron Rodgers and where Russ is at in his career. And I think development wise, like he can do most the things that Hackett like implemented or at least wanted to implement uh, with Rodgers. And of course the deep ball should definitely be there for, and Russ has been like one of the most accurate quarterbacks, like from a deep percentage perspective for the past, like three to four seasons, minus obviously last year when everything fell apart with the finger inching, blah, blah, blah. So no, I'm hundred percent in on him, at least getting back to, let's say early 2020 ish timeframe, like about that, like for where Russ can be at for his least his ceiling like for, for this particular offense, especially given the weapons around him. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I'm, I'm excited about Russ. And I, I seem to have uh, quite a bit of him. He just seems to fall to me in drafts. And, uh, you know, I'm not complaining about that. Um, let's go on to his weaponry. Um, so we've got, you know, Corlin Sutton, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick. Tim Patrick has been the fantasy leader in the, over the last two seasons in that offense. Obviously, there were, you know, issues with Sutton and Judy as far as injuries and whatnot. Um, with all three presumably healthy, um, looking right now at their ADP, right now Judy is going at 48.6. Sutton is going at 36.6. So there's like a 10-spot difference between those two. Tim Patrick all the way down at 116.8. Uh, I am personally all over Tim Patrick at that ADP. I try to get him as much as I can. Um, Jeff, are you in, in the camp of Judy, of Sutton, of neither? How are you feeling? So um, if you needed off the top the bang the drum to be AFC West specific, <laughs> I probably would have looked, tried not to make that a charger, and it likely would have been Tim Patrick. Uh, that's who I would have made it at that ADP. You mentioned Bridgewater. Couldn't get the best out of him, nor could Locke. I, I think there's tremendous value and opportunity in in Tim Patrick under a Russell Wilson, Nathaniel Hackett offense. No doubt, I see what people see in the ceilings when they draft or talk or hype a Sutton or a Judy. But Tim Patrick, if I'm going to bang the table for one of these guys, it, it's him. 
Yeah, I agree. You can't you can't beat his price tag. And and I think, you know, Judy and Sutton were kind of similar and then they've started to separate a bit um, as far as ADP goes. Chris, uh, are you in the camp of either of those or are you uh, punts and wait for Patrick? Um, at least I have to talk myself into taking Judy. I still believe in the talent because looking at his rookie season, he was actually one of the like one of the best like separators, according to Matt Harmon's reception perception, uh, 71st, 72nd percentile in terms of uh, success rate against like man coverage. And so that was at least the hope that he would continue to do that. But he completely fell off. Uh, in his second season. But I think part of that was because of a role change. Like he was in the slot. I mean, he primarily played outside his rookie season, moved into the interior last year. I think he played almost like two thirds of his snaps, like inside. And so if Tim Patrick remains, the, is the one that plays more on the interior, which I think that suits Patrick at, at this point, I think he's better suited for that type of role. I would, I would liken him to what the Packers ask of Alan Lazard, like more of like the dirty work interior guy to help with run blocking. I think that's what Tim Patrick will be. If they push Judy back out to the outside, he actually, uh, what some reports talking about, like, yeah, might not have been concentrating as much as he should have, like when he was out there practicing and whatnot. If that also tightens up too, he can be the receiver that he was back in his rookie season. But I'm just having to talk myself into it more so than believing in that fact so or believing in that idea rather so I, i'm on jerry i'm on jerry judy but i can see why folks would want to draft him patrick more no i agree and there's also i mean we can't you know we we have to talk about kj hamler just because he is in the mix and he's dirt cheap too and you know he has injury concerns but uh you know because i i do live here and i see a lot of local stuff um he, he has been impressive at camp so far as well so um, there's a dart throw for you for those of you out there that are either worried about Hamler or aren't able to get a guy that, uh, you know, Patrick or someone else that you wanted. I'm kind of annoyed in Scott Fishbowl because I should have taken Hamler and I did not because I have Russ and I missed out on to Patrick. That's a whole other story. Um, in order to keep it brief, I guess, do we do we need to talk about Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams? I mean, I feel like they've been talked about a lot. I don't know. I guess we could talk about them. Um, their ADPs are drastically different, um, you know. Javante has moved down a little bit. He was, you know, well, actually at the beginning of the summer, he was an early or late first to early second rounder. Once they signed Gordon, he has now slipped a little bit or more than a little bit, a couple rounds. Um, do either of you have, Jeff, you have any specific feelings on these guys or? Nothing. I don't really okay. feel that emboldened about any of them to make a case or hate on, on, okay. on either. That's fair. Chris? They're both good. Draft them both okay. again. Cool. Yeah, Last thing we'll that too. Okay. Last thing I'll talk about real quick, just because there is camp buzz and whatnot, is the tight end. Um, we've got Alberto. We've got Greg Dulcich. Um, you know, I think that, I don't know, it's tough. It's tough to tell if it's training camp hype, right? We all know that rookie tight ends rarely pan out for fantasy purposes. That is well documented, well, you know, data to back all that up. Um, but there has been a lot of talk about Greg Dulcich this entire offseason, even before camp started. So, um, you know, I've backed off. I, I really didn't draft a lot of Alberto over the offseason. Um, and Greg Dulcich at the moment is still pretty cheap. So, um, you know, I, I like him. I don't know if it's going to pan out or not. Obviously, in redraft, I'm not going to, you know, I probably won't be drafting either of those guys in redraft, to be honest. But as far as a best ball standpoint, um, I, I'm trying to get a couple shares in there of, of Dulcich just in case, you know, he has those spike weeks. He may, you know, get have, a, have one three touchdown week or something. Who knows? Uh, Jeff, are you have any strong feelings about these tight ends? Are you avoiding? Are you in? Uh, 
I like Alberto and I've gotten into the hype of uh Dolchech and I, you know, even saw some of the post-draft like Bronco specific content that they put out and saw really how excited they were to get him um in there. But you know, like redraft on my mind. I don't know. I'd have to be in a real weird, deep, desperate spot, I think, to commit to either. So it's nothing I've honestly followed um, that closely. I'm a fan of both. I think Hackett will probably find a way to utilize them both. Uh, I'm probably like the Broncos. They got like a big primetime game week one. uh, I think they're wrong. I think they're playing Seattle, actually. I think it's yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm mm-hmm. gonna bet. I probably whichever one is like tight end one or the hype that week. I'm probably gonna bet to score the first touchdown in yeah. that game. Okay. Like, I'm not anti them, but like I'll commit yeah. to. I'll make my decisions on them in like different ways. Okay. Uh, first touchdown, Bronco bets. Happy to back whichever tight end Russ will be cooking up with. I like it, Chris. Any strong feelings about the tight end position in Denver? No, not particularly. I think it's more of what does your build look like if you're looking at it from a best ball standpoint, because I'd be fine with possibly doing a two tight end build, let's say with Albert O and insert like one of like the top six or top eight uh, tight ends, you know, depending on like bye weeks. But I've started to mix in Greg uh, Dulcich like in like three tight end builds. So if I take like, let's say, Dawson Knox is my first tight end. And then let's say anybody in the Irv Smith to Robert Tunyon uh, uh, tier for my second. And then I'll throw in a guy like Dulcich on, uh, on the back end of that. I just, I'm not not to pick on Dul- Dulcich because I do believe where he was drafted. There's probably more to it than a lot of the stuff we'll see. But like in three weeks from now, people are going to laugh at the takes that happen. Like, oh, this yeah, week. First mm-hmm. week of course. Yeah. First week with depth charts, like you're gonna laugh so hard at some of like the picks you make uh, uh, this week and the drastic, you know, changes. So yeah, you know, I got no, you know, you gotta. It's it's. I don't want to say a little more complicated, but there's so much nonsense and noise that we're gonna just. Okay, yeah, so. I mean, prime example is Jacob Harris from last year. I bought all the hype, oh, and then he, he ended up being. Yeah. And, I, and I've and I've seen the hype again. I'm like, nope, I am not. Yeah, and it doesn't take long. It's like 17 days later, and it's over. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, absolutely. All right, let's uh, let's move on to the stupid Raiders. No, I'm, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Now, you said on. that because uh, I was. To- I- I'm I'm kidding. But Chris, uh, why don't you why don't you take this one? I've only got one question about the Raiders, and then we can get on to the Chargers because that's a much more interesting, uh, uh, interesting prospect. Like just from the skill position players, the quarterback, and so on and so forth. But Jeff, what's your what are your feelings surrounding Derek Carr? Like not even just like for twenty twenty two, but just in general, because I've I've heard, I don't know, like I've heard like a mix. Like he he could be the guy. I mean, I would say in terms of franchise quarterback rankings i'd say you know above average but he's also the guy that if he's feeling pressure he throws the ball in the dirt Uh, i mean of course it was great that he was able to pilot the team to a playoff win especially after just all the craziness that surrounded the raiders last year from the gruden stuff uh i mean to henry ruggs i mean all of the things that happened to them that just what, what what's your what's your I mean what's your take on Derek Carr at this point in his career? It's not that 
positive. It's not close to like some of the ceiling Derek Carr takes. Mm-hmm. He's exactly what you think he is. He's capable of winning a big game. Uh, you know, it's pathetic the Chargers let him win. Uh, whatever that last game <laughs> so annoying. So it's hard for me to bash him because I take the crow. The Chargers couldn't even beat the guy, and I guess that's true. I just think I know what his ceiling is, and that's not something I want. And the Bengals, they gave that game on a platter to to, uh, to Derek Carr. And he mm-hmm. didn't take advantage. They didn't take advantage. Some bad calls, some weird things, but Bengals, you know, and sometimes it takes a bad win to get that ball rolling for them, and who gives a crap? They went to the bowl, but they played horrible in that one, and, and Derek Carr couldn't do anything. Uh, to take advantage of that, I, I he's properly rated 14th to 16th best quarterback in the league, in my opinion. Some people could say that's harsh. To put it quickly, I'd way rather Kirk Cousins. Like I don't know if that's a way to 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 just analyze Derek Carr, but I'd rather Kirk Cousins. So I don't know if that says enough or says a little. But I think that says everything, to be quite yeah. honest. Because yeah. if you think about just the the highs for Derek Carr have just been just like these small moments in time, like where he might pop up for a big play. And of course they were able to get to the playoffs, but like he mentioned, they couldn't get it done despite the fact that, I mean, they, they really had it. I mean, even down, it came down to the wire. I mean, even with the Tyler Boyd, like phantom touchdown that happened, which I mean, again, I'm a, I'm a Cincinnati fan. So like, I'm glad that the result, but still it's just like, they could have won that particular game. And I'm hundred percent with you, but Kirk Cousins highs have been so much higher. Like we, we have, even with, I mean, I, of course you can probably make the case that, well, Kirk Cousins has Justin Jefferson and now Derek Carr has Devonte Adams, but he hasn't really had that type of receiver, that type of weaponry at his disposal throughout his career. I mean, okay, fine. I mean, but Jen, for you, I mean, what's your temperature check? Like when it comes to Derek Carr, I mean, he's, he's been efficient. I mean, he, from an EPA per play standpoint, he's been average to above average, like close to the top 12, like since like uh, 2018 completion percentage over expected. He's been like top six, top seven, but it's just, he's not throwing any touchdowns. He hasn't, he hasn't thrown more than 30 touchdowns like since 2015 or 2016. So it's like, he's not producing from a fantasy standpoint. So it's like, I get the sentiment around him just being essentially what our Andy Dalton at this point, for lack of a better term, for lack of a better comparison, but where are you at with him? You know, I think I'm a little more positive um, than you guys are with him. I mean, I feel like, I mean, it's interesting that Jeff brought up Kirk Cousins because I feel like it's a similar situation. It's like, okay, so we're drafting Devontae Adams in the first round, but yet, mm-hmm. you're, you know, and it was kind of like last year with Kirk Cousins where everyone was drafting Jefferson and then Thielen and then no one was drafting Kirk Cousins. And it's like, well, you have to kind of, so I have been drafting Derek Carr. I mean, I'm not like targeting him and gunning for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I would think in redraft, I probably won't have much of him, but I think in best ball um, for where his price is and he's easy to stack with, you know, Adams. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I've done it, um, you know, and I think Darren Waller is actually pretty cheap this season too, because a lot of people have recency bias there. So um, I don't dislike Derek Carr. Like I said, he's not someone that I'm um, actively seeking out and I'm like, sweet, I want some of that Derek Carr action. But I think if he falls right. to me in best ball, like, I'll take him, you know, um, mm-hmm. that's kind of, I would you know. want, like, I would like, you know, follow up other, like I would want Devonte Adams in the first round. I still right. think that grade is fair. I want to own Waller or Hunter Renfro. If they right. fall to me in the right spot and redraft, like I wouldn't hesitate for a second 
to invest in one of their players, he's good enough that like everything that those guys do, he can still allow them to do. I just don't want, I don't know. I'm just not that interested in him, despite having no problem taking his three main, main um, targets with a smile on my face. So, mm-hmm. weird, but I get that. Yeah, Something's got to give. If I like the targets, like, yeah, I, I'm just yeah. not there. And maybe my initial take was like more of an outside of a fantasy take. Cause obviously you can <laughs> see how a fantasy perspective he set up to, to have a great, um, fantasy year and could even be a nice little cheap alternative in, in redrafts um, from a QB one situation. Without a doubt. And I think that, but your point is well, well taken Jeff in the fact that, yeah, like we want all their targets. Uh, I mean, yeah, from Adams to Renfro to Waller. I mean, shoot with Josh McDaniels, like under there, we could probably see the running backs like also getting involved as well. I mean, maybe not Josh Jacobs, uh, Kenyon Drake. There have been reports out of training camp already talking about Kenyon Drake, like taking targets out of the backfield. Zamir White. Uh, Zamir White, uh, <laughs> even though like he missed practice, like multiple practices just last week for an unexplained absence, and like they're downplaying oh, yeah. the significance of that, but who knows? But it's just this offense could be more efficient, and that especially in the red zone, which has really been Carr's like, biggest bugaboo. He's been 24th in EPA per play once they get into the red zone. So hopefully that is what kind of propels him into at least more fantasy relevance because I'm with you guys. I, I would probably be fine, especially in best ball, if I can get Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, like any of those like top six, top eight options, pairing him with Derek Carr, I think is just, it's a very optimal way to build out your roster without having to invest a ton of draft capital into the quarterback position. And their targets are so affordable at this point outside of Adams, right? Because you have to be in the right draft spot in order to get him. But everybody else, absolutely. And of course, for the week 17 bros that are already that are talking about correlation, San Francisco, that defense, like while still like well coached, I don't know if the personnel is going to be there in order to actually keep that defense rolling as it did last season. So that week 17 matchup Raiders for San Francisco, it could be a good one to target from a fantasy standpoint. So overall, I mean, I, I do agree that the, the pieces are good. Derek Carr, he could be that guy for this season. We just haven't seen him put it all together yet. And before we close on the Raiders, and I've, I've been very kind to the Chiefs and even the Broncos, I just n- need to put it out there that, in my opinion, I was proven wrong, and yeah, that week 17 still. Um, <laughs> uh, they, In my opinion, they gr- overachieved so much last year. And if you look at some of the metrics, the one um, score wins or the close wins, the wins as underdogs, I think that would show that. So even mm-hmm. if they really do improve, I could still see them being in the exact same spot because I think last year they won so many more games than they probably should have. And I know that could sound blasphemy coming from me, but that's how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. No, I'm with it. That's why I called them the stupid Raiders when we started the segment. <laughs> I'm right I'm right there with you. All right, I think it's time we move on to the main focus of the night, which is the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, which is really weird still. I mean, I, I don't you know, how many how many seasons in are we that they're in LA and it just doesn't really make sense to me. Not San Diego. Yeah. Yeah, it just doesn't. It, it's just not right. Um, I want to share one thing real quick before we get into the actual team. I have this personal story that I need to share real quick. 
Um, I don't know how, Jeff, you're, I'm sure, I, I assume you're younger than me because everybody is in this space. Um, but when I was a kid, um, I grew up in Miami. Um, and when I was a kid, we used to come out to Colorado every holiday, every Christmas holiday break. Um, and the, I don't remember what year it was. I should have looked this up before the podcast, but the playoff game between the chargers and the dolphins, uh, we were on a plane and it was a, it was my family and a bunch of other families off in Florida. And we convinced the pilot to have the playoff game on the loudspeaker. The entire plane was watching the game flipping Dan Fouts, like pulls off this ridiculous, it was a horrible, horrible crushing loss. Um, that was my childhood. I, and I've always like hated the Chargers uh, from then. I was probably, I don't know, I was single-digit years old uh, during that that playoff game. Um, it has stayed with me my whole life. But I will say, now as an adult in this space, I do, um, I love. I really like this team. I think they're exciting. I think they're up and coming, obviously. And uh, they are exciting to watch. So I've tried to put that little childhood trauma aside um, and to move on and have some affinity for the Chargers. So now we can get into the actual, well, first of all, actually, before we do that too, Jeff, you are Canadian, correct? Yeah. So where where did your Chargers fandom come from? Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, well, quickly, it's hard to, who can hate the Chargers? They've never harmed anybody. <laughs> uh-huh. They just, they're a guy you, like, want to have at the party. He's going to make a scene, do some amazing things, and then flame out hard, and you get to go home laughing at him, like, we're like the like we're just the lions with nicer weather like or the bills before they won yeah. with a good quarterback that won playoff games a few of them who i love um my fandom is yeah i am from canada from toronto born and raised my my um grandfather retired moved out to southern california san diego you're just like nine eight ten years old go visit them like you just mentioned holidays christmas and you know we didn't have a team here in Canada. We still don't. And I don't, like the Bills were winning, so it would have been like the natural thing to do would be to like bandwagon, really like the team when you're like seven years old. That's like really good and has all these stars and going to Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. But I didn't. There was something about it. Either like where I'm from, you either go Bills or you go like totally random. Like my friend group, very random like teams. Because you just kind of had to pick them. Um, so when it was time to, when I realized I liked football more than even hockey and the Leafs, mm-hmm. well, I had a Charger hat. I had a Seau jersey. I'd already been to games on visiting on Christmas. So it was kind of just easy. I'm, I'm a Charger fan. <laughs> and I joked that, like, oh, I wish my grandfather retired in Green Bay, um, <laughs> you know? Or Pittsburgh. Yeah. I, yeah. I've been a lot happier. Obviously, like, no, that's, you know, no one's ever going to go move, <laughs> move to those places you know in their um glory years but so yeah I, and i just love it and yeah I, that's all i that's really nothing all to right. it and no, I, listen, you know, I love football just... so much you only need the german here we are all these years later and outside of like goodwill for my friends and family there's nothing i want more than for them to to flip the switch finally the other way right well, we get that, you know. Chris gets that. He's a Bengals fan, so he understands no, the I have switch that way. <laughs> but as far as the Chargers go, what um, what should we talk about here? What do, what do you want to talk about? I mean, obviously, we'd like to know. You know, they've made some improvements on the O line. They brought in Gerald Everett. They've got some defensive improvements as well. 
Um, do you feel do you feel some sort of leap this year? Do you feel like they'll be able to finish? What 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 are your feelings overall on the team? And then we can talk a little bit about the uh, the fantasy components as well. Yeah, I mean, I could argue it anywhere. I could tell you why they'll be horrible. I could tell you why they'll be great. <laughs> That's why we had you on you here. Know, I, I really do believe it is time. I believe it is time. All things are there for this to be a nice run of Chargers football. The roster is fantastic. I think people give Staley a really hard time. The defense was abysmal. Like I think a lot of the decisions he's gotten maligned for just stem from a defense you can't trust. And him having the balls to just say, I trust these guys. That's who I want. Could never get off the field on third down. Points per loud, they're like 29th. Run defense, first down run defense. It was horrible. So I guess my biggest question as a fan, like holistically in some ways, is I'm wondering if the he'll still they'll still be the fourth downs, you know, like a lot of we see the trend up in the whole league. But if this is a defense they can trust and that they can just punt the ball and know that they can get it back, I think we'll see a lit a little less of the like craziness. I think. I think so. That's what I I would say, and I think there's depth on the team and another plug-and-play offensive lineman. They know as long as they protect Herbert, he's so talented, he'll make other players stars. You know, people wanted them to invest in that wide receiver pool in the draft, which would have been fun and sexy conversation for us. They're like, no, Justin Herbert's going to make other people stars. In the same way, Aaron Rodgers made other people stars. Patrick Mahomes makes other people stars. Um, and Josh Allen will, you know, make a handful of mid-level receiver stars. Like Brady and Manning did too. Like, well, the Bengals are such a talented receiving core. But if they didn't, I'm certain that Joe Burrow would turn the less talented players into stars also. I could talk a mile a minute about them. But yeah, so my expectations are high, which just means the crash is going to be that much harder, guys. And you'll all giggle. You'll all giggle. Um, but I'm a true believer in Staley. I will close by this. I'm a disciple. I'm a believer. I love just listening to him speak. After a win, after a loss, like everywhere, I love it. But if somehow they botch this thing this year, you got to someone's got to walk the plank for two years of burning two year two and three of Herbert. Um, so I guess, <laughs> yeah, and we can move on to fantasy now. Do you okay? So, yeah, when we well, do get to a fantasy, you move anywhere you want. I do this all day. No, so <laughs> from a fantasy perspective, right? You've got Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, very similar in ADP. Um, you can't, you can't get both, right? Based on where your, where your draft spot is, you can't draft both. You're you're there. You're on the clock. Which one are you taking, Jeff? I would wish someone else is picking in front of me because I have a feeling like the layman um, will probably take Keenan Allen. But I think this is the year we do see a bit of a flip. Uh, okay. And I don't want to get into the deep contract stuff, but you know, put this out there right now. Is you give me one more chance? Are we li- <laughs> are we live? No, no. Oh. I was going to say, tomorrow. oh, I'm just going to date it. Tomorrow, you guys will know. And then you can cut it. I've done this one time already, <laughs> and I've been wrong in training camp. And this will be the last time I do it. If I'm wrong on this call, I'm going to not do it again. Derwin James signs tomorrow. 
his long okay. term right. extension. I don't even know if it's a hot take, but on the Tuesday, August, it's August 2nd, Derwin James is signing. Um, now I can get back to I would take Mike Williams. <laughs> uh, I think this could, dare I say it, you hate to have to look into the future about these things. This could be Allen's last year with the team. I don't want to get into that deep place. But, um, yeah, I think Williams surpasses him. I think they get way more aggressive on first down passing this year in the, you know, intermediate, in, intermediate, intermediate deep range. Something mm-hmm. Joe Lombardi's got to realize, like, he doesn't have old Drew Brees right now. Like, you can unleash first down. Um, and that's yeah, Mike Williams. I don't know if you say their ADP is close. Uh, I still like feel like uh, I expect Keenan to go ahead of him, but I pick Williams. Chris, what are you? What are you doing? You're on the clock. You've got same same both those guys. I'm stubborn and I still take Keenan Allen, but I get okay. it. I 100% get it. Uh, but I'm like the guy from a golf point. Sort of cut you off, Chris. I like bet on guys who like never win tournaments at the same price as guys that like have so many wins. And this, you'd feel so stupid, like. You know how dumb you will feel if you draft Williams <laughs> in front of Keenan and then next this year is the status quo. Right. Like for peace of mind, part of me would have to say Keenan and you just say, like, I'm just going back to old yeller. Like, how could you not? Right. Yeah. I'll feel so dumb to think that I doubted this or felt this flop. But yeah. Well, I, I mean, they're, listen, they're right now, Keenan is wide receiver 12 and Mike Williams is wide receiver 14. I mean, they are that close. So it's not that crazy to, to flip flop them and take one over the other. I'm sure it's being done. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, that is happening. So as far as, so if we, if we move on to the next uh, section or the next tier, I guess, are you uh, a Josh Palmer guy? Yeah. Guyton, are you? Yeah. Palmer, yeah. You're big. In? And that's also like, I'm a charger guy. So I'm biased. And He's from like 25 minutes up the road from me, nice. Josh Palmer. Okay. So that's like when the Chargers go Canadian in the draft, like that guy's, you know, he's going to just have my support. I think we're in for Josh Palmer's season, third round pick last year. One of the main reasons uh, or any of sort of talk about the Chargers investing into that wide receiver market in this year's draft for quote, like, no, they really do like Josh Palmer. You saw trust with him and Herbert developing Herbert even going to him in some clutch situations him starting ahead of Guyton I get why it's like sort of made some news because the Chargers such an offense people are going to want to invest in you're still going to want to own the third receiver who's not going to want to go into their you know um into their seasonal drafts this year wanting like that Chargers third receiver as late as they can get it it's going to be Josh Palmer friends it's gonna yeah, it's gonna. I like to hear that because that's who I've been drafting there. Uh, you know, a lot of him. They really a, like him a lot. They yeah, he's, like a tw- him a he's a twelve. Yeah, he's a tw- camp reports like a lot. So it's all matched up with the positioning. I do not believe that's going to be an ADP people giggle at in 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 three weeks from now. I do not nope. agree. Perfect. Well, he's a 12th rounder, so you can get him uh, still pretty cheap. It'll probably rise. Um, I guess we should move to running back. I mean, how do we, do you feel, where do you feel, Jeff, the split will come between Eckler and Spiller? Is I mean, I know Spiller, I, I've seen as well, there's been some good training camp uh, stuff surrounding him as well. Um, they seem happy with him. And I think he, I think today I saw something that he, he was running a little bit with the ones. So um, where do you see that 
playing out as far as their split and how, uh, you know, when or should we invest in Spiller, you know, based on where he's being drafted, which I'll look real quick while you talk. Yeah, so if the bang the table, if you said we want you to bang the table and we want it to be a charger, it would be Isaiah Spiller. And that's not an indictment on Austin Eckler, who I can hope in redraft leagues. I so badly think I want him or, you know, in my you know home league to get the pick that will allow me to get Eckler. But as camp has started and I've really started to sort of zone in on this team, guys, gals, if I could promise you one thing more than anything about this Charger segment, it is that the Chargers, the coaches, the organization, probably even Austin Eckler himself, want nothing more. They are so desperate to find this complimentary running back. Mm, yeah. They tried a couple years ago with Kelly in the third. Still feels like an epic fail. Rotating in bodies in last year. Just like we know Eckler's great. The Chargers know Eckler's great. He does everything, but he's tiny. The season is 17 games. They know so badly how much they need a complimentary back. And this guy by the college football lovers say he can do it all. So I'm as bullish on him from like an ADP value cashing in on it. There'll be days where him and Eckler gets his standard points and Spiller comes in and does his. And the people who own Eckler aren't even mad. They got so many points already that day. Um, in the Chargers dream, this split is as big as it can possibly be. Like relatively speaking. If that makes, you know, like they don't want 50-50. It's freaking Austin Eckler. is going to be a top five redraft. Um, but they really do want it as big as they can squeeze out of it. I mean that. They're desperate for it to be as big as possible. Draft Spiller. I like it. Chris, are you are you going to sprinkle in any Roundtree or Kelly or any of that? Or are you now pure Spiller based on this whole conversation and before? Oh, I was all in on Spiller beforehand. Yeah. No, I, I know mean, you were. Yeah, the, I mean, the, uh, I know folks might just point to the draft cap and be like, oh, you know, a fourth round running back. Like, no, it doesn't matter. Like, if I think Jeff, like, hit the nail on the head. I mean, there have been multiple press conferences and just multiple reports and like just sound bites of not just Brandon Staley, like even Austin Eckler himself saying that they're, they were, they've been looking for this type of complimentary back to go along with Austin Eckler. Eckler knows, I mean, look at, I mean, he, when he came out and I mean, without, again, he also didn't have significant draft capital. So like his own story, like he knows that his, let's say, you know, ability to actually generate like uh the, the amount of uh, like the contract that he was able to get it's just so difficult and for him to even think about trying to do this again if at all possible or even extension he needs to be able to stay on the field and i know the chargers want him they love him and jeff can attest to this but there's no way they're going to be able to keep him and keep him healthy without having like somebody alongside of him in order to like essentially be you know the if they were able to somehow bring like Melvin Gordon like back into the fold like they need that type of back in order to take that load. I thought that could too and I would have I would have loved to see weird history there with yeah me and Melvin specifically humble enough on the one you go to a list that whatever yeah had he come back it would have been open arms because he would have represented something they so desperately need yes um and again yeah like they they there's it's not even like Eckler Eckler so badly wants 
someone to be good behind him. Mm-hmm. Like there, I've used the word so many times. It'll be the last time I'm doing it. I'll do it. Whether it is Spiller or someone else, it clearly seems like it will be Spiller. They, they invested a draft pick in him. Seems to have the multi-purpose talent of running him, catching. They're desperate for a legitimate RB2. If we, I'll say we, people get mad at that. I don't care. I'll be there longer than <laughs> Spiller. Like, it will, whatever. Um, <laughs> if they can't, if they have to do the rotating monster for RB2 again, it's going to really screw the season. Mm-hmm. Um, again, desperate for, they're desperate for him to work and it's a good offense. You should really want to own him. Maybe it gets to a point in September where he's getting so high in ADP that's like, no, I've just got to back off now. That could happen because I think the fan, like people, everyone plays fantasy football and there's going to be a consciousness of what I'm saying later in August of how truly, and it might even affect how hype Eckler is when people mm-hmm. truly grasp the desperation of the Chargers to cut into this workload. Right. It could affect that. his drafts that like him going super, maybe he falls back a couple picks because it's going to be so clear. There's a split <laughs> yeah. coming. That's exciting. It's exciting for you as a as a fan. Um, and it's exciting for those of us in the fantasy world, because as we always say on this podcast, the less Merck in, in, in backfields, the, the better for fantasy purposes. Um, one last thing before we go. I don't know if we even need to talk about Everett. Uh, he's super cheap. So I've been scooping him up everywhere because I don't know how you don't. Um, I don't know why people aren't drafting him. I don't know why he's so cheap. Um, I've been drafting him. You guys have anything to say about Everett? Take him if you can. Yeah. I, I like Parham too. People who follow me know I'm like a, but there's still like Everett has to have a role. There's still developmental parts of Parham. And I guess with Everett, there's still a bit of a ceiling. Like you think that there's like, we haven't seen the best and maybe Herbert could bring out the best sort of like annoyed Evan Ingram fans. There've been some mm. Everett drops like, Oh, I'm just even reading them bother me. Cause <laughs> like, I don't know. I, Loved Antonio Gates for obvious reason, and mm-hmm. I overdrafted the shit out of Hunter Henry. Disappointed, like didn't work out as a chart. I loved him right. too. I'm so desperate for them to like find someone who can run, be a seam breaker, for lack of a better term. If ever it is it, then uh, explosion season, friends. Yeah, love it. All right, let's wrap this sucker up, and we actually did it just under an hour, which is not too bad. Uh, once again, thank you guys uh, for listening to the podcast. Thank you, Jeff and Chris. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Chris Allen FFWX at Jeff. I'm sorry, G Feinberg 17, and at the Monday Mommy. Thanks you guys for listening, and have a wonderful evening or day. Bye.